Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Sarah Devonier, and I'm here with Jessica. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really glad to talk to you so that you can share your journey of faith. One thing that we've noticed in doing these interviews is everyone has their own journey, and I have really come to love that, the unique aspects of everybody's journey. And if you'll just start off by talking about the beginnings of your own faith journey in connection with your childhood and your faith and how that started to develop. Okay. Well, I'm a Wyoming Prairie girl, so I grew up 20 miles away from a town of 1,200 people. And our house, our closest neighbor was the coal mine across the back fence and a couple miles away. So I grew up in a family that was very very involved in our church community and in our local community. My dad had his own business, but our home was very quiet, and so there was a lot of a quiet around my growing up as well, which, as I thought about this and the beginnings of my faith, how important that was, because I remember my mom was a convert to the church, and so the idea that she was a child of God was what really touched her heart, and so she taught that very deeply and powerfully to us as we were growing up. And I always felt that it was true, but I remember being 12 and going to Young Women's, and all of a sudden here were Young Women leaders teaching it, as well as my mom, and mm. I came home one day with a desire that I needed to know for myself, that I wanted to know more than my mom and what my leaders told me. I wanted to know for myself, so I put on my hiking boots and climbed the back hill, and just asked. And I remember in that place of calm and of quiet, just this knowing that started from the bottom of me and came up through the top of me of just, of course, of course you are, and of course I'm here, and of course you're mine. And so I think that was really the first real blossoming of my personal faith and knowledge that grew out of that, that quiet place. Yeah, I, I love that your parents had deliberate quiet. I think that's hard, as you know, when you have a lot of kids, right. not only to choose quiet, but to make sure that it happens for each child. And what a good example your parents were of letting you have your own quiet place for sacred experiences. It's a beautiful experience. After you had that experience, were there things that happened that, that not necessarily made you question that experience, but, but made it more difficult to continue on this faith path. My growing up, like my childhood teenage, was very, was a very safe place. Like I grew in safety and support. Um, the biggest challenges came later as I became a young mother and as my life no longer had that quiet <laughs> in it anymore. And as uh, as the expectations that I had had started to meet a reality that I didn't feel completely prepared for because, um, well, like for example, I grew up being told that I, would be an, that I would be a wonderful mother and that all of these things would be great and this was the gospel of Jesus Christ and the plan of happiness and it was like I worked really hard to, to do the things that I felt were right and, to, and I, I followed those steps. And then it got to a point where I had three tiny babies and my husband had a very demanding job and was called to the bishopric and I was alone in the middle of this by myself. And 
and I wasn't good at it, and it didn't feel happy, it just felt heavy, and I was doing it by myself all of the time, and I was angry because it didn't feel like a plan of happiness, mm -hmm. and I belonged to a church that teaches about the importance of eternal families, and my husband was always gone at church, and I was doing our family by myself. And so that's probably the first real time that I came up smack against a question of, I've been taught this, I lived this, I did all these things, I built this life, and now I kind of hate it. Yeah. So that was the first and, and when, time. once you had that experience, which I think that everyone not only is going to, but probably should have an experience, like you said, where they smack into reality, um, right. even if it's something that's potentially very good, like children and motherhood. Well, and I loved it, and I knew that it was right. right. It was just yeah. that it couldn't, like... I wasn't managing all of it, and I was struggling in the yeah. midst of it. And so I thought that love, I should, yeah. I should be happy in the midst of it. And I didn't know how to balance the struggle yeah. and the happiness and the all that came. With yeah. It. So the the question is, when you were in the middle of that and it was so difficult, how did you get to a place where you could even start to manage and deal with it? Well, I stormed around angry for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wrestled with it for a while and then we had a state conference coming up and they were having an open like a panel discussion where you could ask questions and I, I wrote in my question I said why does a church that teaches about families take away their daddies <laughs> and my husband was like you can't ask that question I'm like yes I can <laughs> and so I asked the question but they didn't get to it that night and I wasn't really surprised. I didn't really expect that they would. But then I got a phone call from the state presidency saying, we read your question and we think that it's important and we would like to have a conference call oh, with you. Wonderful. And so the whole state presidency called me and like had this conference call with me to address my question. With the whole state the presidency. Whole, all three of them were right there <laughs> just for me. And I felt so loved and so supported and they shared their stories and their experiences. And I got off the phone feeling loved, but they didn't answer my question. Like there wasn't the peace that I had wanted or had expected. And so I kept wrestling and kept working through it and living life and trying to, to do what needed to be done. And then one night, my husband was away doing ministering visits for Bishop Brick and I was home putting my babies to bed. And I was, my, little, my littlest one was in her crib and I was rubbing her back and I was singing to her. And then I had this overwhelming feeling coming come over me of just as you're with your baby, with just her putting her to sleep, this is how salvation works. Salvation works individually. So I am saving John in my way where he is, and I will be with you in your way here. And I will watch over you as a family and you will come together, but I have to meet you both individually or else it won't work. Yeah, so to know that God was being with your husband John in his own way and with you Right. in your own way, which is a gorgeous story. How did you keep going to get that inspiration? Because I noticed you said you kept struggling and kept fighting. What kept you fighting until the answer would come? Because sometimes when you don't know if it will come, it's hard to keep fighting. I come from a family of hard-nosed cowboys. And it's a very common saying in our family that it doesn't matter how you feel, it matters what's in front of you. 
And that just kind of became the driving influence forward is that I was feeling these things and I was struggling with these things, but there was this work and these children and this life in front of me. And so it didn't matter that I didn't have answers yet because the work was right there. And so you just put your boots on and you <laughs> go to so work. So you kept working, not knowing necessarily if you would have an, a revelatory experience like you did with your baby. No, I didn't have any, any expectation that it would come like that. It had never come, I'd never had an experience like that before. Wow. Did, at any point, did you feel like maybe you would want to give up your faith or did you keep going just as a matter of principle? Um, there were lots of times, I don't think I've ever had a, a faith crisis per se, but I've certainly had faith flickers mm -hmm. where I've looked at my life and thought, is it worth it? This costs so much. So much is asked. So much has to be given. The sacrifices never seem to end. There's always more. Is it worth it? And there have been, been more than one time where I've stood on the edge and really questioned that. And times when I've started to step toward the other side of it, I don't, I don't care. I'm too tired. And yeah. yet, every time I go to that space, just cross that line of it's not worth it and it doesn't matter. My life fills with darkness. I feel like I lose all power and all light. But when I stay on the face side, even though I don't have the answers yet, and even though it's hard, there's light within the heart. And there's help. And there's angels and influences that seem to show up at just the right moment. Yeah. And so whenever I've played with that line, it's always the balance between the darkness and the light, however, however dim it might seem, there's yeah. always some light that keeps me on yeah. the face side. When you have had those moments with light to stay on the faith side, like the one that you mentioned, how did things look after that? Obviously the situation didn't change. No. But how did that affect your ability to move forward? How, how were things different if they weren't externally different after that? They were different in that I felt, I felt like I wasn't in the work alone. I felt like the Lord was there with me. Yeah. So, since that moment, what do you do to make sure you maintain that perspective? Because children, come and if you have more children, which you did since then, how do you maintain that? Well, that old, that old family saying of it doesn't matter how you feel, it matter, <laughs> that's still very much applicable <laughs> in my life. Um, but from that experience, I think that, that that experience that night with my baby and that answer that the Lord would meet me I never have lost the belief or the expectation that that, that would continue, that he was meant to be yeah. with me. And so when things get heavy or when I get discouraged or when I get lazy or gripey, whatever it might be, there's always that reminder of he's meant to be with me in my work. It's not him far away watching me. It's not him standing over me with a judgment stick ready to beat me if I fall. It's it's just like me with, with my children. I spend my life next to them. I'm right there. In, I'm in, 
in the learning with them. And I think that's how Father is with us. That's the whole idea, is that he's in the learning with us. Yeah, I think Elder Maxwell often said that irony was the crust on the bread of adversity, but it seems like <laughs> irony is also the crust on the bread of life in so many ways, that those very children who were causing you to have these questions, they're the same ones that helped you get the answers. Your baby was the vehicle towards you understanding that. And every day as you work with them, you understand God better and you understand his relationship with you so that the very beautiful trial is also its, its reward and the blessing as well. Exactly. What would you say, I think parenthood, motherhood and fatherhood is, is difficult and it's hard to be faithful in those moments, especially knowing that as much as you want to be with your kids, they may make choices and they will make choices you can't control. If you knew someone was struggling with something similar to what you did, what advice would you give them? About how to press through the hard parts? Yeah. Can I tell you a story to answer that? Yeah, of course. You know you can. <laughs> so, a couple months ago, my husband had the thought that he needed to start running with our children. Not running after them. Not running after them, <laughs> running but like with, preparing yeah. to run a 5K race with yeah. them. And so we started working on this, and we have been for many weeks now preparing for this race. And I thought when we started that it would be a good experience. But as we've done this, it's turned into this transformative experience where we are having an opportunity to work on things that we have desperately needed to address and tried to in things like family home evening and scripture <laughs> study, but like we talk about it, but it doesn't ever really seem to change. But all of a sudden, as we're running and our children are working to do this hard thing and we're John's in the front and I'm in the back and they're in the middle and we're like cheering them on, not letting them, like just yeah. trying to do this as a team. And just so people can visualize, tell them so how many kids you have. I have five children. My oldest is 10, let's see, 10, nine, six, three, and one. So we have the two babies in the stroller and our two oldest ones run together in the front and John's behind them and the baby, our three-year-old gets in the stroller and out of the stroller and runs to catch her daddy's hand and our middle little girl is usually in the middle either doing really well or I'm pulling her with the stroller because <laughs> she hates everything and doesn't want to go another step. So like we're a parade, it's ridiculous. I know that, it's, that we look really funny. But as we've done this, we have worked on things like pride and things like jealousy. Through the, through the experience, rather than addressing them directly. Exactly. So it's, it's not a family. It's yeah. not a family discussion about this. It's we're running, and Ethan is jealous because Emmy's further ahead than he is, and he's trying to hold her back, but she's just doing her best to run forward. So it's Ethan, don't pull her back, push her forward, and so all these things. But just in that experience of encouraging them and being right there with them. It's made me realize that I think that's how Father is with us, that we're running and we're doing this hard thing and we're meeting all these hard, difficult things. We're meeting our pride and we're meeting our jealousy and we're meeting our, our tendency toward competition and we hate it and we wish that we could stop and, and I did stop last lap because it was awful and I hate it, but now I'm trying again. 
like as we do that, he's right with us, cheering us on, telling us all that's good, all that is possible, and that we can do it, and that he's not going to leave us, and that it doesn't matter how fast or how slow we go because we're a team and we're meant to do this together. That's how he is with us. And if we can do that for our children, that sometimes they just need us to believe that they can do it. Sometimes they need us to accept that they're done and they can't do this laugh and we're going to go forward, but we're going to pick them up on the next time around and we're going to try again. And sometimes it's just going to be rough. Sometimes we're going to go for a bike ride instead of a run thinking we'll give everyone a break and it'll be easier and then it's <laughs> even worse than the running. <laughs> But we're in it together yeah and we don't fall behind and we don't let go of each other yeah yeah i i've got to say i think wyoming prairie girls make really good moms <laughs> um and and really good disciples so thank you for sharing that i appreciate it thank you <laughs>